If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings this morning, chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5 tonight, this morning. Uh, I'll probably be in 2 Kings chapter 5 again Wednesday night, but tonight we're going to be on the devices of the devil. It's just, it's just so much in 2 Kings uh, that we need to see and take a look at. And I know it's, uh, uh, if we take a look at these uh, things in uh, 2 Kings, it'll help us out. And I know it'll help you out, and it's helped me out, and I pray to help you out. If you, 2 Kings chapter 5, when you find your place, let us stand if you can, if you're able to stand with me. And let's read the Word of God for God's people, starting in verse number 1. Now Naaman, the captain of hosts of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, and honorable because of him the Lord had given the deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leopard. And the Syrians had gone out by company, and they had brought away captives out of the land of Israel, a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he wouldn't recover him of his leprosy. And he went in and told his, his Lord, saying, this, And thus said the maid that is in the land of Israel, and the king of Syria said, Go and go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed, and he took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, and ten raiments of clothes, chains of raiments. Let's drop down to verse number nine. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariots and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and he went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out unto me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and, and strike his hand over the place and recover the leopard. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servant came, came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophets had bid thee to do something great, wouldst thou not have done it? How much great then the said to thee, wash and be clean. And when he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the men of God, and his flesh came again like unto, him, came again like unto the flesh of a child, little child, and he was clean. Let us pray. Father, we just come before you, Lord, thanking you this morning. Ask your Lord to speak to our hearts this morning. Help us and encourage us in the way, Lord, that we may be able to lift up and look into things of this world, Lord. Speak to me, Lord, and empty me yourself. And Father, we'll just praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Here in our text is one of those fantastic, absolutely wonderful Old Testament pictures of the New Testament salvation. And, and grace of God. Pictures foreshadows a type and nobody really understood them until living on this side of the cross. Amen. And living on this side of the empty grave and living on this side of God's riches. And now we're looking back and we see pictures and shadows of what God was planning on doing and that nobody knew about. There are plenty of pictures throughout the Old Testament 
And this morning I want to uh, preach on uh, the Old Testament, this, this Old Testament thought of, uh, of the New Testament grace of God. There, there's wonderful pictures if you study your Bible. In Genesis chapter number three and th- uh, 2 and 3, Adam and Eve and how Christ laid down his life for the bride of the church. Uh, we find that Eve uh, uh, sins and plunges herself into depravity. And, 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 and Adam not being, wanting to be alone and not being by himself, he also plunged his himself into sin and that's a picture of Christ coming and taking our sins upon him and dying upon the cross and we might see the righteousness of God and not ourselves. When we look at Abel's sacrifice, uh, uh, Cain brings the fruit of the ground and God rejects it. He turns his nose to it and then he uh, Abel brings the, uh, uh, the fruit of the uh, flock, the best of the flock, and God, uh, that blood sacrifice, and, and God takes it and because uh, it points to the Lamb of God which uh, shall take away the sins. He's going to shed His blood for us. In, in Genesis chapter 22, uh, we see Abraham and Isaac uh, walking up that mountaintop of Mount Moriah. And, and Abraham makes this uh, uh, statement on the way up. God will provide a sacrifice lamb for a burnt offering. Picturing the Lord Jesus Christ way down the road, we find the tree in Exodus that taste the waters were bitter and they could not be drunk. And there in the wilderness, then God showed Moses a tree and he takes this tree and he threw the tree into water and it became sweet. He turned the bitter to better, the sour to sweet. And because that tree this morning, aren't you glad that we can look back and see the cross, that tree that Christ died upon and made our lives uh, uh, better and not bitter and our lives sweeter and not sour this morning because of that cross. We can look back at that tree and thank God for it this morning. In 2 Samuel, we see the crippled Mesopotamia. He, he, he couldn't get to David. He couldn't get to David. So David sends his messengers down to him. And he's, he's in that low bar, Lodabar, the land of no bread and, and no pastors. There's nothing going on. But David sends his servants to him to bring him into the king's table that he may sit down at the king's table. That's the picture of God sending his son down to us. Uh, hey, we were, we're in the land of uh, no bread. We're in the land of no pastors. Uh, but God comes and receives uh, us unto himself that we may sit down at the king's table one day. Amen. What a, what a miracle. Now, now, Naaman cannot make himself clean. Naaman cannot work himself clean. Naaman cannot be good enough to make himself clean. It must be an act of God's grace this morning. And, 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 and you say, preacher, I have never experienced a miracle like Naaman has experienced. Can I say I've experienced the same thing that Naaman has experienced? I experienced a whole bunch of miracles that happened in the Bible this morning. You say, what miracles have you seen this morning? 
Well, I have to confess, I wasn't there when Jesus fed the 5,000 that morning. He gave them some bread with fishes, but I was there when this hungry sinner came down and he gave me the bread of life, amen, and he called on me and I called on him and he filled me with the bread of life this morning. I wasn't there when the day the thirsty woman came to the well. She'd been married five times and the one she was with wasn't her husband. She was thirsty. And there was Jesus. And he gave her water that was not of the well and so good that she left her bucket. (laughs) Let me just say this. I I was thirsty at one time. came down the well. He gave me water that when I drunk of that water I'm no longer thirsty and it's bubbling up inside of me. Thank God I am no longer thirsty because I have drunk the well of God this morning. I got a drink that changed my life. Have you? I wasn't there when the blinded eyes received sight. I wasn't there when the ears could get their hearing back. I wasn't there when the lame man began to walk. I wasn't there when the dead was raised from the grave. But in my soul... I know what it's like to be a blind sinner. I know what it's like to be a deaf sinner. I know what it's like to be a lame sinner. And I know what it's like to be a dead sinner. And I heard the voice of the Savior calling me. And he brought me out of my deafness. He brought me out of my deadness. Uh, He gave me life. Amen. I have experienced the miracles that the Bible tells us about. And can I say this? God is still doing miracles today. He's still doing a work in a sinner's life today. All you got to do is come to Him. This is one of those miracles of God's grace that we all relate to. A miracle of a filthy man named Naaman who gets clean with God. He comes in filthy, but he doesn't leave the same way. Praise God. Nobody ever, listen to this, nobody ever leaves God the same way they come to God. If you claim to know Jesus Christ to be saved, you have met God and He's took your filthiness and your ungodliness and He gave you a life worth living this morning. You're still the same way. Listen, if you're still the same way that you were before you came to meet Christ, I doubt if you ever met my God. Because you're not going to stay the same. He is going to make a change in your life this morning. I want to show you some things that's happened in this text that will help us. Preaching on this morning, coming clean with God. Coming clean, with I, I think we all need to come clean every now and then, amen. There may be some things down inside your life that you're hiding that you need to get out and say, God, here it is. And just get clean with God because can I tell you this, God already knows. He knows exactly what you're doing. He knows exactly where you're at. Coming clean with God. In this story we find there is a sinner that is dirty. 
Don't miss this about this man Naaman. Watch what the Bible says about him in verse number one. Now Naaman, a captain of the host of the king of Syria, it was a great man with his master. He was an honorable man. Because of him, the Lord has given deliverance unto, unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. I'm telling you, this man has got some credentials going on. He's got some tags all over him. Uh, uh, people see him say, hey, there's Naaman. He's the captain of the host. Uh, there's Naaman. He's viler. He's got honor. He, he's greatly appreciated. He's loved by many. He's cared by many. He's faithful. He's a good husband. He's a good leader. He's got all kinds of things going on for him. He is this. He is that. But this fellow has got a problem that's going to negate every one of those things that we just said about him. All his goodness is out the window. All his valor is out the window. All his honorable is out the window because he is a leopard. It doesn't really matter that he's the captain of host. He's a dying leopard. It really just doesn't matter that he's a mighty man and viler. He's a leopard. It really doesn't matter how great he is or how honorable he is. He's a leopard. And he's riding away and he's going to die. He's destined for the grave this morning. Doesn't matter how many good things his Bible says he's done, uh, what his Bible says about him. It doesn't matter how many people uh, that uh, pat him on the back and tell him a great job. The fact that he is, he's still a leper this morning. He is still filthy. He is dirty. And he's still dying this morning. You may ask, what in the world has that got to do with me this morning? Well, some of you are sitting here, and, and if we could talk to your co-workers, talk, talk to your parents, talk to your husband, talk to your wife, and they'll say, that's a good woman. That, that's a good man. She's, she's got it all together. She's a good mother, a good provider. That, that fella, fella right there, he's a hard worker. He stands by his word you can, you can string it along, good, you can, all the good things about them this morning, but may I say, if you're set here as a sinner, you're dying, you've ne never, met, never met Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter what everybody thinks you are, it doesn't matter about your standing in your political situation, it doesn't matter because you're, you're dirty, you're unrighteous, and you're dying this morning. You never come clean. You never come to the cleansing fountain of Calvary and had your sins forgiven. All the goodness adds up to nothing. To nothing. The Bible says our righteousness is but as filthy rags. The Bible says that there is a none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says we all sin and come short of the glory of God. The fact of the matter, it doesn't matter if you're a church member You've been baptized. It doesn't matter if you shake the preacher's hand. 
It doesn't matter if you have kept the Ten Commandments. If you've never been saved, if you've never been trusted in Christ as your Savior, you're a leper. You're dying. You're filthy. And you're going to die in hell one day. What good does it do to have all this stuff he says? What good it is that you are honorable? What good it is that you have violence? What good it is that you have good standing? What it is, what good does it matter? You're still a leper. Leprosy in the Bible is a picture of sin. It is something that starts out small. You could cover it up pretty good. You got leprosy, you can cover it up pretty good. Nobody, nobody really can tell right off the bat. Same way with sin. Sin starts out small. You can cover it up. Nobody really knows about it, but you and God, God's the only one knows about it, and you. God can see past all your stuff. God knows your thought and the intent of the heart this morning. You, you can put a show on a lot of people this morning. You can fool a lot of people this morning. But you can't fool God. If you never come in contact with God, been born again, you are dying in your sins this morning. You can hide it up all you want to and try to cover it up all you want to. But you need to come to God this morning and get a cleansing. You need to come to God this morning and get a cleansing this morning. You say, well, I'm not that bad. Well, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Leprosy takes the body. You, you couldn't be around God's house. You couldn't come to God's house. Uh, they couldn't be around God's people. You couldn't, be around, uh, uh, you couldn't even stay inside the city. You was rejected. You had to stay outside the city. They had to cry unclean every time they're coming about. Boy, wouldn't that be something that we all sinners today had to cry unclean today? You see the picture of sin that separated them from the house of God, it separated from the presence of God, and it separated them from the people of God. You know what sin does to you? Sin kills you. It kills you. I have seen the lives of those that are Falling into ruins of sin, it, it put years on the body, it wears them out, it tears them down. Drinking will tear you down, drugs will tear you down. It, it changes a body. Sin is like leprosy, it deforms you. It, you. You get older than you think, and sooner or later you're going to die in your sins. He's got all kinds of good stuff to his name. He is a great person, but he's still a leper. He's still a leper. You say, well, I have this and I have that. I've got this going on. I'm a good person this morning. I didn't ask you all about that stuff. I don't care about just to name had all that he was going on to. But he was a leper. You can list all the things that you have, and at the end of it, you're this and you're that, I'm this and I'm that. But at the very end of it, you just say, I'm a leper. I'm a leper. And that negates and wipes out all the goodness that you have in your life this morning. We see there's a sinner in this. We, we see there's a saint 
that was directing me. You got to get there. I, I, I like, my goodness. Verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away a captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife, and she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that was in Samaria, for he would recover him of leprosy? And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said this maid, that this is the land of Israel. He is a little girl. Now, you've got to remember this. People entered in her story. Uh, they, here she is. She enters into the story with a word of hope for Naaman. This girl didn't, we don't know her name. The Bible doesn't give her name. We don't know what town she comes from. All we know that she comes from God's people. And she comes with a word of hope to a soul that has no hope this morning. Can I say to you about this little girl? Like, she's not living in a life of bed of roses here this morning. Life has not been easy for her. This girl was drugged out of her homeland, uh, forced into slavery, forced into bondage, uh, forced into servitude. Uh, and, and you know something about this little girl? You don't find her whining. You don't find her crying and complaining and wanting. She's got it rough this morning. And she is not mad or bitter about the hand that she's been dealt. She is looking to help someone this morning. Somebody in the middle of their bondage. She said, just maybe God has put me here for such a time as this. Maybe God has placed me here to give a word that can help somebody else. It's an amazing name and his buddies are uh, uh, one that captured her, the one that brought her out of her land, and now she's serving him. Now she's trying to help him. Get him to the prophet of God. If it had been one of us, amen, you've got what you deserve. You're going to die. I'm not caring. I'm not going to say a thing about it, but no, not this little maid. She says, hey, I I know a prophet that if he go down there and you do what he tells you to do, God will touch you. God, will God placed her for this time as this. Maybe she looked at it this way. We're not for the grace of God. We're not for the grace of God. But by the grace of God, that could have been someone in my family. That could have been me. By the grace of God, I, I could be the same way. By the grace of God, my family could have been the same way, but no. The Bible said, and of some have compassion, making a difference. That, that's something you really need to put in your heart and put in your mind this morning. And some having compassion, making a difference. I wonder who God has intersected your life with. Your life might not be in a bed of roses. 
You you might have had it rough, but God has brought you to this place, and God has brought you to this point. And you can say, for what? To point somebody to where they can get some hope. Point somebody where they can get some healing this morning. You're not just called to fill the pews of the church. You're called to shine your light in the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. Pointing those that need help. Pointing those that are sick towards the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even in the darkness of night, even in the world of the situation we're in today, even in the most bitterness of time, you can always point people in the direction they need to go. You can say, I I know where a beggar can find bread. I I know where a leper can get clean. I know where a thirsty man can get a drink. I know somebody can help you. Can I say, Christians, aren't you glad that that little maid pointed you in the right direction to the right place? Somebody kept saying, won't you come to church? Won't you come to church with me? Get up and come to church with me. Somebody pointed you in the right direction and you ought to just thank God for that little maid that's in your life. You know who your best friend is? The one that pointed you to Christ. The one that brought you to Christ said, hey, if you come with me, he'll touch you. If you're hungry, he'll feed you. If you're thirsty, he'll fill you up and he'll give you life. You're not dead anymore. The one that pointed you to Christ this morning. I wonder, child of God, are you being a little maid this morning? Trying to help somebody. You notice this wasn't a big Christian. It was just a little maid. She was trying to do something for God. You ain't got to be big this morning. You ain't got to be those TV evangelists. You ain't got to be those great people. You can be just somebody that God can use this morning. I like God using when he called me. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm insignificant. I am nothing. But he took somebody and he's insignificant like me. So he can get all the glory. You let God use you. Let God move in you. You ain't got to be big. You ain't got to be powerful. You ain't got to be. Just be what God wants you to be. She sees a saint that's defecting. He hears a sermon. Now listen to this. Haman hears a sermon that's disturbing. Verse number 9. So Haman came with horses and his chariots and stood at the door of Elijah. I can see, listen, I can see my mind. Here comes the captain of hosts, the honorable man, the viler man, the man who's delivered. I I see this man thinking to himself, look who I am. Look what I I got going on. I see him riding up at Elijah's house, and I, I see him getting off his Cadillac chariot. 
Got all this fanfare going on. All these people running around him saying, hey, this is Haman. This is Naaman. He's the captain of the host. He's honorable. He's valor. I see people just standing around him. And Naaman's in there. Got on his pretty robe. He's something now. Elijah sent his servant out. He's got gold, he's got silver, he's got tin. He's coming with all this to get something from Elijah. And Elijah doesn't even come out to meet him. He sends his servant out. Master said, go and dip yourself. What? You mean I'm naming? I am the captain of host? I've got all this going on. Look at all these people around me. Look at all this. I've got the Cadillac of charities. Look at my fine white horses here. And he's not coming out here to meet me. The Bible said he went away wroth. He's mad. He's upset. Mm. Can I tell you? I've had preachers tell me, I can't talk to you today. I'm too busy. I've got this going on and I've got that going on. Hey, let me just say this. If a preacher tells you he's too busy to talk to you because you got this and that, something wrong with him. Naaman thought he was something that he wasn't. And man of God didn't need to go out and see him. So I imagine Naaman was thinking, I'm going to try to clean myself up. I'm going to try to do this on my own. I'll clean myself up before I come to God. I've heard that, people. I can't tell you how many times that, well, I'll come to God after I get myself cleaned up. When I get some things worked out, I'll come to God. Then I'll get right with God. Trying to look your best, you will never get right with God. Naaman was trying to look like he was something to impress somebody. He said, I've got this, I've got that, I'm trying to impress you. God don't want you to impress him with what you got. God wants your heart. God is not impressed on how good you look this morning. Amen. I read a story. This well-known painter was walking down the streets and he sees this beggar. And he stopped and looked at this beggar and he says, I need to capture his humanity right here at this spot. So he goes over to this beggar and gives him some money. He says, I like to paint you. Gives him a card. So you come here on this date and I, I want to paint you just like you are. So the date came and came, he's standing at his house and he heard a knock on the door. He went to the door and he opened the door and says, yes, can I help you? And the beggar said, here I am. He looked down and says, no, you're not. So what he done, he went and got himself cleaned up. Took the money and bought him used clothes and got shaved. He's got his hair done and got cleaned up. He said, no, 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 no. That's not what I wanted. I wanted you the way you are. And let me just say this. God is saying the same thing. I don't want you to try to clean up. I don't want you to try to get dressed up. I don't care what you look like. Come as you are. Because that's when God can really work in your life if you come as you are. Amen. 
This is the sermon that Naaman don't want to hear. Naaman's not warning this sermon, verse number 10, Elijah sent a messenger. Elijah didn't come out personally to meet him like an ordinary leper. Unto him, Sam, here's the message. Go and wash in the Jordan. He says, your money's no good, your clothes are no good. Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and their flesh shall come again unto thee, that thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth, and he went away. And he said, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and his God and strike the hand of the place and recover the leper. Do you know what Naaman is wanting? Naaman is wanting a Benny Hinn show. Naaman wants Benny Hinn to come out. Hey, He didn't get it. He didn't get that. Yeah, that's the problem of a lot of us. We want to show. We want God to show up big. And God said, hey, sometimes it just don't work that way. He says, I deserve the respect. I want him to come out. I want him to raise his hand to heaven. I want him to say something powerful over me. He wanted a big show. He was wanting something that is befitting his position in life. But the preacher said, this is the message. You can take your dirty self and go down to see if you want to do, go clean up first, do all you want to. It's not going to work. Go down to the Jordan. See, the message doesn't change this morning for anybody. It's the same for everybody. If you want to get right with God, you've got to come to God. You can't do it on yourself. God's not going to make a big fanfare about it. God's not going to put on a great show for you. It's the same message. Naaman had the same message as we have. You've got to be washed. You've got to be cleaned. That's what he wanted, a big show. problem is today everybody saying God loves you right where are you at life is good be a good person God will let you into heaven no he won't nobody wants to come the cure until they find out what their sickness is if I was on a 747 and I'm walking around and I got this parachute and I walk up to the guy and say, here, take this parachute. It's going to make your ride a lot more enjoyable. You take the parachute and like, I didn't want this thing. I don't want this thing. This thing ain't doing I'm not. And you throw it down. But I guarantee you, if I'm walking around with that parachute and the pilot comes on and says, Ladies and gentlemen, engine number one just blew out. We no longer have engine number one and engine number two is on its way. We're getting ready to go down. I walk up to you and that captain says, Hey, there's a man outside passing out a parachute. You're going to run to get that parachute, amen? 
We don't, we don't want our cure till we find out what they're saying. That's the problem with preachers today. They're handing out Jesus, but they're not telling him why they need him. Amen. Everybody needs to come to Jesus. Why? Well, I don't know. Why should I come to Jesus? I'm, I'm good. I'm a good person. I haven't stole. I haven't lied much. I haven't killed anybody. I've fought it a plenty of times, though. Nobody wants to cure to find out what the sickness is. That's what preachers are doing. Say, hey, you need Jesus, but they're not telling them why you need Jesus. Amen. You know why they see the seriousness of their condition? Their parachutes. They knew that they're getting ready to go down. They knew they're getting ready to crash. They saw the seriousness of the condition in this situation. But we're not being told today why we need Jesus. We're not being told today why we need to be clean. We're not being told today that you've got to live this life. You've got to live this life. We're not being told that. But let me just say, Jesus says there ain't but one way unto God, and that's through me. He said, I'm the bread and I'm life, the truth. No man come unto the Father except by me. You can't do it any other way. Verse 11, but Naaman was wroth, went away and said, Behold, I thought. <clears throat> he said, I thought. There are way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof is death. Ways of death. Well, preacher, I just think. I just believe anyway is good to heaven. I think the Baptist way is right. I think the Catholics got their way. I think the Methodists got their way. I think the atheists got their way. I think Buddha and Muslims got their way. Problem is, their thinking is all wrong. Their thinking is wrong. Their thinking is messed up. Salvation is not how much you reason out, how much you think about it. Salvation is faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done this morning. You know what he said in the text? Why can't I go down to the Abana, down to Parfar? And don't, don't miss this. Surely there is more than one way to get clean. I'm thinking in my mind that he's thinking that preacher is so narrow-minded, telling me there's only one way. Who do you think you are telling me? I have to repent and humble myself and go down to the river? I'm telling you, I think my way is just as good as your way. Let me know how it works out for you when you stand before God. Let me know how it works out for you. I'm telling you, there's no uh, one way. There's only one way. The Bible said, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man come to the Father except by me. It's Jesus of hell. It's not Jesus plus this, not Jesus minus this, or Jesus and that. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Naaman said, hey, I, I, I think there might be a better way. I think I could get it better cleansing. He heard a sermon that he didn't like that was disturbing to him in his life. For their salvation 
that is dis disinfecting. Verse 13. And his servant came near and spake unto him and said, My father, now if that prophet had told you to do something great, if he'd told you and con go and conquer this, go and conquer that, you would not have hesitated one bit to do and do that. You would not hesitate. How much rather when he said to thee, wash and be clean. It amazes me this morning that people all over this world will work their crazy heads off trying to get to heaven. They'll put ash on their forehead on Ash Wednesday. They will eat only fish and on Lent. There, there are people in this different countries around here that on Palm Sunday, they'll, they'll walk down the road and they'll beat themselves silly until blood runs out their back trying to work their way to heaven this morning. They're trying to keep the Ten Commandments, trying to live a moral, clean life. Now, I do believe you ought to do that. Amen. But I believe a moral, clean life is a product of salvation. They're trying to do something great. Here in the text he said, if he asked you to do great things, you would have done it. But he's only asking you to do this one little simple thing. And you reason it out and try to think about it and say, hey, it cannot be that simple. Salvation is a simple plan of God. But we add to it. We stick the stipulation on it. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy this morning. I'm just asking you come to the waters of life. Get clean. Get washed. Come and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior this morning. I'm not asking you to do a great thing. I'm just asking you to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And all the things He's already done for you, you don't got to do nothing. The great work has already been done. All you have to do is come and accept what he has done for you and I. Verse 14, when he went down and dipped himself. I love that word dip. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean he gets a piece of water and goes, no. It, it didn't mean Naaman walked out and really got up to his neck and said, I got it done. It, it didn't mean he got down and go, a little toe tap. No, it means he got all the way under. He got all the way under. He was dipped under. He got all the way. He got all the way under and got cleansed. He got under the cleansing stream. Covered him all. And every bit of the filth on Naaman. I see there was a fountain filled with blood. From Emmanuel's vein, and every sinner plunged beneath loses all their guilty stains. He got plunged in, and all the filth was washed away. All the sin was gone away. And let me just say this uh, if you've never been to Emmanuel's veins uh, and got plunged in the blood, all the sin in your life is still there. You can't get it out. You can't work it out. You can't clean it out. It takes the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
There is still a cleansing stream this morning. And it's not, oh my goodness. But I think we ought to all go to Jordan. Get dipped in the Jordan if it works. You know, never in the Bible you read anywhere else that anybody else went to the Jordan River and got cleaned. Jesus never sent anybody to the Jordan. So why should we? Why should we go to Jordan? Well, that's a special spot. I grant Jordan River is a special spot, but that is no way you're going to get cleansed. He's going to the Jordan. You've got to come to Jesus Christ. You've got to let the blood of Jesus flood you and let Him cleanse you. Amen? Seven times in the Jordan, according to say, saying a man of God, and his flesh, flesh came again like a little child, and he was cleansed. Like a newborn baby. It's a picture of being born again. I told you in the Old Testament, there are pictures of salvation pointing to Christ everywhere you read. He got a new start when he got dipped. And, and, and can I say this? Look, it was instantly. He didn't have to wait for salvation. He didn't have to wait to get clean. He didn't say, hey, dip yourself seven times. Wait 21 days. If it didn't work, come back and do it again. He said, dip yourself seven times. And on that seventh time, he became clean. Thou shall be clean. Simple message to you this morning. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shall be saved. For whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I, I think we all need to get cleaned every now and then. You know, in this world of filth, dirtiness, and sometimes it gets attached to us. <laughs> and we really don't know it until God starts pointing it out, say, hey, you're a little on the filthy side there. You need to get back to the waters and get cleaned again. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I shall be saved. There's no other way. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus.